0: plus.
1: Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan.
2: I'm Jenna Millian. And this is a podcast where we challenge sexism in the music industry and empower
1: fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band
2: way before you did.
1: And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about.
2: As you guys know, we recently celebrated our year anniversary. We had an amazingly fun Zoom party with some of y'all. And we have a new Patreon member to welcome to our community, Anne-Marie. Thank you so much for joining us us over there and if you guys want to come hang out with us do more monthly zoom parties and chat with the community it's over on patreon.com slash name three songs from as little as two dollars a month So, Sarah, what are we
1: talking about today? Today is another passion project for me, I feel like. I keep dragging you guys along on my personal journeys of unpacking childhood trauma. So thanks for coming along for the ride. How
2: was this your childhood trauma? Or maybe we're going to get into it.
1: I mean, I don't want to just give it away, but I guess you guys have read the title of the episode. You guys have to wait and find out. (laughs) I mean, I feel like anybody who was a preteen or teenager, in the early 2000s has some trauma connected to Pete Wentz of Fall Out Boy.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: I completely missed this
2: bandwagon, so...
1: I was entirely too young for this bandwagon, but basically, we are here today to talk about how Pete Wentz was the Harry Styles of the early 2000s, and this is the hill I will die on. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Oh my God. This is the thing. If you've been around since the start of the podcast, you know that I love Harry Styles dearly. But also, as Jenna and I've become better feminists, I have realized the flaws in Harry Styles and my personal parasocial relationship with the man because we know absolutely nothing about him. As I like to say, every single time we mention him, it's like we know nothing about him. And every time I find out something real about him, my whole world collapses around me because he's not the person that I've created. In my brain Yeah (laughs) And we have Harry Styles As a solo artist As like the Harry Styles We know and love him as today This person we've created So to speak For the past like five, six years You know And then we have Pete Wentz Who in the early 2000s Was a very open book But didn't necessarily know who he was And it's a really interesting thing To think about Because like on TikTok recently I've been seeing a lot of kids Talking and like literal Like kids Like teenagers teenagers talking about Pete Wentz and talking about like early 2000s Pete Wentz lore and it's really interesting how the internet takes something and turns it into something else in ways when that person is no longer part of that narrative in that same way because Pete Wentz post fallout boy hiatus and fallout boy getting back together is now like a family man like a dad just a normal old rock man whatever you want to call him like Pete Wentz of today is not the Pete Wentz that I had as my idol is the best way to put it growing up. Pete Wentz was my world. I would die for that man. You don't want to know the amount of times as like a 15 year old I threw tantrums at Best Buy parking lots because I was like I cannot go into a Best Buy. Pete Wentz tried to kill himself in a Best Buy parking lot. We do not give our patronage to Best Buy. Oh my god. Wow. I'm just like (laughs) having some personal flashbacks
2: right now to my personal emotions as it related (laughs) to music as a teenager and crying when I could not not go to certain concerts because I was in the <laughs> marching band and we had football games to go to. I love this. so yeah. I think every teenager has experienced some sort of emotional trauma related to their, their bias.
1: <laughs> but so Pete Wentz, he's an enigma of a pop culture character and he very much shaped a lot of who I am as a person. Like him specifically, because he was the spokesman for Fallout Boy. And Fallout Boy is my favorite band ever in the whole world from like the ages of 12 to like 17. And so it was a lot being that young on the internet watching Pete Wentz navigate fame because up until like 2005 pop punk music wasn't something that was played on the radio or popular or something that wasn't just a subculture but starting in 2005 pop punk music starts to become something that the general public starts paying attention to. It starts to be played on the radio. It starts to be something that like the popular kids in high school start to have interest in. But this really peaks in 2007. And so 2007 was really when this pop punk heyday of it being something that was really played on MTV, having people being interviewed on Good Morning America, like all those quintessential things that pop culture icons get to do, pop punk bands were getting to do. They were J-14
2: and Tiger Beat. They were on the covers of those magazines.
1: They were everywhere. You went from buying J-14 and pulling out posters of like Jesse McCartney and Cody Lindley to pulling out posters of Pete Wentz and Gerard Way and like maybe William Beckett if you pick up the right Tiger Beat copy. And it's like a weird juxtaposition, especially as a kid who is secretly on the internet on these subculture pop punk live journal communities going from picking up J-14 and reading about Disney Channel stars to picking up J-14 and reading about people that you've discovered on this part of the internet where these grown-ups are basically telling you like, people don't like this. We're judged. We're outsiders. (laughs) But Fall Out Boy and My Chemical Romance and Paramore, they all changed the path for this subculture of pop-punk where it now becomes pop culture to like pop-punk music. And because of this, Pete Wentz becomes an unlikely hero of the story because Pete Wentz was just very much like the jock of pop punk music you would never categorize pete wentz as the jock but he is the popular boy who gets all the girls of pop punk music because he is quintessential what an outsider would think of when they think of a man who would exist within this subculture that up until this point was not accessible for people outside of it
2: wow it's a whole new world over here wait are you trying to say he's like the cool guy of pop punk Yeah. Like, everyone wants to be him? Everybody wants to be him or fuck him. Okay, yeah, that makes sense.
1: Because, like, you have Pete Wentz shirtless on the cover of, like, Spin, Rolling Stone, like, all these things. Pete Wentz should not be shirtless anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) But you have this man with, like, smoky eye, done himself, his flat ironed hair, his ridiculous tattoos, his low rise jeans, not wearing a shirt on the cover of these huge magazines. And previously, people who performed on warp Tour were like kind of people who would get thrown into garbage cans. And now Pete Wentz is the guy you're you keeping your girlfriend away from. And so we have this moment, as I said, where Pete Wentz is the guy you want to be And the guy your girlfriend wants to fuck, but also the guy that guys think that they maybe want to fuck. And so you enter into this weird realm of this is 2005. Pete Wentz is at his height of fame in the year 2007. You guys all know the Bruno Mars photo that happened, which happened because six paparazzi stopped their cars in the middle of the road in L.A., to take paparazzi photos of Pete Wentz because Pete Wentz in 2006, 2007 was the most sought after person to photograph. This is how popular this man was. This is how sought after this man was. But this man defied all norms that had been put into place of what had been popular the like decade prior to him becoming popular. Because prior to him, you have NSYNC, you have Backstreet Boys, you have all of these guys, guys, very like metrosexual, but metrosexual in like, uh, this is what we think teen girls are going to find attractive kind of way. Not in a, I might be wearing my girlfriend's pants kind of way in the Pete Wentz situation. And so when Pete Wentz is the biggest deal, you have this situation where Pete Wentz is trying to make people uncomfortable and in trying to make people uncomfortable, he is playing with gender norms. But in 2007, we have people not understanding that gender norms and sexuality do not equal the same thing. And because of that, you have Pete Wentz on every single gay magazine being asked what it's like to be a gay icon and all of these other ridiculous questions that would probably not happen today. Yeah.
2: I think sexuality versus gender versus gender expression are things that we're still dealing with today. I think the younger generation has a lot better grasp of it now but I mean these are things that are going to pop up throughout this discussion.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. And so in 2007 when Pete Wentz again is at the height of his fame and he is everywhere literally like any publication that can interview Fall Out Boy is interviewing Fall Out Boy and talking to Pete Wentz about what it's like to be Pete Wentz. And so if you care at all about Fall Out Boy or pop punk music, I'm sure you're going to have heard this quote. But as I said, like Pete Wentz is wearing eyeliner. He's wearing girl jeans. He's doing all these things that defy all norms for the point in time in history that we're talking about. So this is 2007. Gay marriage does not become legal in America in all 50 states until 2015. And in 2004, Massachusetts, became the first and only state at that point to make gay marriage legal. But the second you leave Massachusetts, your marriage is not recognized by any other state. So this is putting things into perspective for you. We are still at this point in time where being gay is a wild and crazy thing to be. And so with that in mind, as I said, Pete Wentz is being ridiculed for people assuming that he is gay because of the way that he dresses. And again, at this point in time, gay is used as a derogatory term about anything like if you think something is stupid people are like oh that's gay oh you're gay like pete wentz is called the f slur countless times all the time throughout his whole life and so we have this infamous pete wentz quote that he gave to npr's all things considered in 2007 where he goes i would never come out and say i'm gay because i'm not gay and he continues on to say there's part of me that wishes i was gay which i think is like this quote that lives in infamy and will outlive Pete Wentz throughout history. And he goes on after that to say, "I think that comes from anybody constantly wishing they were in the minority and constantly wanting to be fighting everybody off." Which I don't. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I think
2: this goes back to our episode on challenging masculinity and what we talked about with whether or not men wearing dresses is performative or are they doing it because they're sticking it to the man or are they doing it because that's how they feel and at the end of the day is there a difference and does it really matter I think that's what that's what this conversation really ties into but just the whole thing about Pete Wynn saying like I wish I was gay is weird because of the following aspect. Actions with him kissing men on stage and then him saying anything above the belt right and him talking about how penises look weird <laughs> which really interesting choices but I think the thing is like him being so 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 vocal about this stuff in a very visible position where he's kissing men but then also being interviewed and saying that he's not gay was like a very confusing time I think for everyone because we have to remember like we were not having the same conversations about sexuality and gender that we are today. And so as Sarah mentioned, homophobia was a hugely rampant thing and I think we both remember, like I specifically remember being in middle school and there was all these campaigns about like that's so gay and like awareness campaigns, literally educating people on why you shouldn't say that. And I think the youth now takes that for granted because people have learned not to say that, but it was such a common thing when I was in middle school, all the time you would hear it.
1: Oh yeah. You could not have guys hugging each other without being like no homo though or if they thought something was stupid they would say it was gay. I mean thankfully growing up I think the F slur was very much taken out of the language used around people at least where I grew up but again I grew up near New York City so I feel like people were probably a bit more progressive around where I was to not be using the F slur anymore but being gay and talking about being gay was not really something that was as acceptable as it is now and it still could have very much been something that could have stalemated people's careers and caused people a lot of issues and so I think it is interesting that because Pete Wentz was and he talks about this in a lot of these interviews because he was interviewed by tons of gay outlets including like The Advocate and Out Magazine and they were talking to him about his experience growing up and his experience not wanting to fit within certain norms and all that sort of stuff and like he was saying that as a teenager he was called the f a lot and how it's just something that he's used to and so I feel like he sort of picked up this persona of trying to stick it to the man but I think that in some ways like if he was doing this now I think that Pete Wentz would have been cancelled quicker than his career could have even taken off.
2: Oh yeah. So much of what he said and did would not fly now but I think what you just mentioned about him being so public about this at a time when homophobia was really rampant there's almost this shell, right? Where he can act this way and he can say these things because that's sticking it to the man because he's not actually gay, right? If he was actually gay, he wouldn't be publicly being able to stick it to the man. He wouldn't be allowed to have the same platform that he is because it's that plausible deniability of it all. It's like, well, he says he's not gay, so he can get away with doing this stuff. But I think if he was actually gay, if he was actually like doing all this and saying he was gay or saying he was bisexual or whatever else, I don't think he would have been as big as he was.
1: Yeah definitely and I mean so like in 2008 he had this cover feature without magazine. Guys if you go read (laughs) if you go read this this is a fucking mess there's no punctuation or apostrophes or spell check or uh, paragraph breaks because I think that somebody just copied and pasted it from a Google Doc <laughs> because it had been printed in print in 2008. And it looks like, I guess, I'll just put up the archive. So this was a fucking mess to read. But, <laughs> but throughout this, he keeps being like, oh, are you guys going to get flack for putting a straight guy on your magazine cover? And joking about the fact that he is straight, but like so accepted by gay people. But the thing that really stood out to me in this interview and he says to the interviewer, when I said that I make out with dudes, there was a slight sense of sexual rebellion in that. And I probably even made it a bigger deal than it was. He thinks the first time he kissed a guy was when he was 16 or 17, probably on a dare at a party. So P is setting the scene as if like a girl is daring him to make out with a dude. So then she'll make out with him because like they think it's funny if two guys kiss. So basically he's saying that like he first kissed a guy when he was like 16 or 17 and then later experimented on his own volition at 18 or 19 just to like test the waters and see if he was into it. And then when the interviewer asked him like, Oh, like, when did you most recently experiment with a guy? He goes a long time ago, probably when I was 22. He once was 29 in 2008. So that means that it was seven years prior to this interview and him being lauded as this gay icon that he had last experimented with a man or at least that he was like comfortable admitting to and so this is where we get into these interesting slash murky waters which is that because fallout boy wanted so much to make people feel safe and comfortable in a scene that like wasn't very safe or comfortable for a lot of people they don't really like gender the love interest in songs like you don't really hear pronouns used in their song lyrics they sing songs that could very much be thought of as gay love songs if that's what you want to think about pulling in context clues as I talk about a lot slash fiction and wanting to men that seem to be very close to be in a sexual relationship with each other and like for those of you who know anything about Pete Wentz there is lots of lore about him with Mikey Way from My Chemical Romance as well as him with Burt McCracken from The Used and so there's lots of rumors circulating about gay crushes and all of this sort of stuff and I feel like Pete in all these interviews was very much saying no that couldn't have happened without Having to acknowledge the fact that these are things that people are talking about possibly happening. And so it's wild that in like 2007, 2008, when Pete Wentz is at the height of his fame, how he's continuously being spoken to by these magazines questioning, why aren't you gay? You read like a gay person, and I am a gay person, and I would like you to be gay, please. And he just keeps being like, no. Maybe I'll kiss a boy, but like nothing else.
2: Well, this is also where he goes on to say, as I mentioned earlier, him stopping when it gets to the belt line. In this interview, he also said, it's really all about the equipment. He goes on to say, I really don't think it's an attractive quality. That's what it comes down to. I don't even like my own. Like, really, I don't I don't like anything about it. But this is like, does Pete once
1: have body just more like? I know! That's (laughs) what it's giving me, and it's making me so uncomfortable. I'm just like concerned that Pete once is like really struggling.
2: Yeah, that's what it sounds like in these interviews. Like, reading it in, like, 2021 goggles. Yeah. There's just so much language and understanding that we have now around sexuality and gender mm-hmm. that we didn't have. That we didn't have in the 80s, that we didn't have in the 90s, that we didn't have in 2007 when Pete went to saying this stuff. So this was really, like, uncharted territory at the time.
1: Yeah, and I feel like that's why I've been so intrigued that these baby gays like these teenage gay kids are so enthralled by Pete Wentz and the lore around early 2000s Pete Wentz because so much of what he said is so cancelable and so much of the things that people now would be like, how dare you say this? And like get really, really big mad about it. And for me to react and be like, you need to go touch some grass. And so the fact that they are touching grass about Pete Wentz Like, (laughs) they're just, like, fine with him being fucking insane in the early 2000s about why it's okay for him to be, like, appropriating gayness is so wild to me that this is something that they feel connected to and think is
2: cute. I don't understand, like, what is the conversation teenagers are having about this?
1: They're, like, studying the potential that Pete Wentz is, in fact, bisexual And that all of this was just like him still being so uncomfortable with the fact that he was in love with Mikey Way from My Chemical Romance. And that every single song that Fall Out Boy has ever written has been about Mikey Way from My Chemical Romance. And that they've been in love and that there's like all of this fucking drama in regards to that crush. That P1's like... I mean, I followed Pete Wentz on LiveJournal. I was in the trenches. I was in the thick of it. Like, Pete Wentz definitely had some form of a crush on Mikey Way. There was something going on there. I don't know what it was, but there was, like, there's no way to deny that there wasn't something happening. But I don't know how gay it was. Hmm. But this kind of brings me to my next point of the subject Is that so in 2007, he does this big interview with this guy, Brandon Voss from Advocate called Big Gay Following Pete Wentz. And basically, Brandon Voss is continuously trying to pressure Pete Wentz to admit that he is, in fact, gay and that him acting not gay is just like a farce that he's doing to get more people to like him. But Pete continuously is talking about how I'm just a makeout king. Like, I don't discriminate. I'll kiss whoever. It's all fair play. (laughs) And how, again, he's saying, like, I'm not a real big fan. Of penises. That's my biggest problem. Like, I'd love to share clothes with a dude and have all those benefits, but I just can't get past the thing. It's just weird looking. And, like, he says all this honestly unhinged stuff that sounds very much like something that a boy who was my age at the time would have been saying when youth are like Josh you just cried to kiss David and he's like you penises no this feels very like no homo energy yeah that's what I mean and and so this is a thing and this is what like this light bulb sort of switched on for me is that in my mind because I was so young when I listened to Fall Out Boy I constantly am like oh Pete Wentz is five years older than me maybe seven is how I think of Pete Wentz in my mind because of all the other bands that I liked at this point
2: so like what you're saying basically is in 2007 when all all of this is happening. He is 28 years old, whereas a lot of yeah. the other bands in the scene were teenagers. They were 18-year-olds. They were 20-year-olds. They were yeah. college students. Pete Wentz is 28. There's a significant age gap between these, and I think what you're saying is that a lot of people will tend to forget that.
1: Yeah, and so I think that there is this forgotten thing of like oh Pete Wentz was young he was figuring himself out blah blah but it's not so much that Pete Wentz was young and figuring himself out. Pete Wentz was 28 years old and was young in the height of the AIDS epidemic and so I feel like people need to contextualize the age of Pete Wentz and his coming of age story. So when Pete Wentz is getting dared to kiss boys at parties when Pete Wentz is experimenting trying to figure out like am I bisexual am I attracted to men? He is turning on the news and the news is telling him, we're at the height of the AIDS epidemic because I feel like this is the thing that people don't realize is that points in time that feel really long ago, based off of the way that history is recorded and spoken about, and especially because of how fast time is moving because of the internet and just our mental capacity and like TikToks being one minute long and Twitter and all of these like really fast, speedy ways to get news and information, something that happened a year ago feels decades away. Whereas something that happened in the 80s because it's time capsuled doesn't feel that long ago when it is, in fact, long ago, but also at the same time, not that long ago. Pretty close by that, like people who were growing up during the height of AIDS are still relatively young, all upheat once. And so, again, to contextualize this situation, the first reported case of AIDS in the USA was in 1981. And as of right now, there's been over one million people living with HIV in the U.S. with over 35,000 new infections every year. So this is still very much a problem still very much something that we're dealing with but now there's medication and other things whereas when Pete Wentz was growing up and they're talking about AIDS on the news and this is like this whole thing of being gay is something that you need to avoid because if you just breathe near a gay person you're gonna catch AIDS because people for so long didn't understand that AIDS was spread through bodily fluids and blood they were just like oh if a gay man like <laughs> stands near you you're gonna catch a disease and they become his pariah. they become an issue basically and so being gay is very much something that is like not only is it bad because of all the reasons why people still say it's bad but now also there's a disease that quote-unquote only gay people have
2: yeah so just to give even more context because we all know sex education sucks in america (laughs) hiv is a virus that you can contract and that can lead to the development of aids which is a disease and in the 80s and the 90s lots and lots and lots of people were dying because aids basically Wears down your immune system. So, people were getting cancer, people were getting pneumonia, lots and lots of complications from this. If you just like Google a history of this, you will see how scary this was. People were like in the hospitals looking very, very thin, very ill. And we think of, as Sarah said, the first reported case was 1981 and the peak of it was 1995. So, that's a whole 14 years where this is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and there's no solution for it, there's no medication anything until 1995 when they finally figured out a preventative medication. It doesn't get rid of it completely but it allows the symptoms to be maintained, which was finally widely distributed after 1995. So Pete Wentz is growing up his entire life seeing this on the news and the reason this was quote unquote like a gay plague was as Sarah said, it's transferred through bodily fluids and that men were more likely to give it to each other because of anal sex and that the tissues around the anus are more permeable and blood and bodily fluids can get through. Point being is that everyone can get AIDS, but this was especially concentrated within the gay male community. And so it was seen as this thing that only gay men have. And also, I mean, we can even think about this in the context of COVID that we're seeing right now. At the beginning, it was a really scary time where people didn't know how it was transmitted. And so people thought that just by touching somebody who had AIDS or HIV, that you could get it just by touching them. Just like Everyone was freaking out, buying toilet paper and hoarding toilet paper because you didn't know, like, it, could you breathe the air? Could you not breathe the air? Could you touch surfaces? Could you not touch surfaces? It yeah. was like that type of thing. They didn't know. And so, so many people with AIDS were dying because the government didn't want to do anything about it. A lot of doctors didn't want to do anything about it because there was still so much homophobia at this time. So, that is what Pete Wentz grew up seeing until he was a teenager.
1: Yeah. And even still, like, past then, it's like being gay was still, as we said, a butt of this joke and so... So you also just have in regards, again, to give some potential context for p Wentz being like, I wish I was gay. All of these sort of runarounds as to why he isn't gay. It's like you're shown constantly in the media and pop culture, like the way that gay people are treated. And so in pop culture context, again, you have in 1991, Freddie Mercury dying of complications from having AIDS. And so Pete Wentz is 12 years old when this happens, and Freddie Mercury is one of the biggest people in music, and you have this pop culture icon becoming like, viewed as somebody who had AIDS instead of just being viewed as Freddie Mercury, the front man of Queen. And, like, there's just all of this haha going around.
2: I think also the death of Freddie Mercury, because he announced that he had AIDS the day before he passed away. Yeah. So, number one, it was a huge shock to a lot of people because nobody knew this was going on. But number two, I think for a lot of people... It had this humanizing effect on the AIDS crisis because yeah. suddenly it was like this figure you knew, this figure you saw in the headlines or like you went to a show of theirs, you bought their albums, their music was suddenly part of this. It gave a face to this... Kind of like very stigmatized disease. And I mean, of course, I don't know what Pete Wentz's musical influences were, but I'm just assuming as somebody who's like a teenager who's into music and one of the biggest rock stars at the time dies from this, it's going to do an ember on you.
1: Yeah. And so, like, when a disease that is viewed as something that gay people have takes one of the greats of rock music, obviously that is going to affect the cultural conversation. But I mean, also just in context for just how fucking homophobic america is we still to this day have the gay panic defense used in court to get people's jail sentences reduced Because it's like, oh, I killed them because I was afraid that they were going to be gay on me. Oh, my God. And as of right now, like as of August 2021, the gay panic defense is only banned in 12 states. People are still using this. It was most recently used in April 2018. To like lessen a murder charge. And so basically what this is, is it's a strategy in legal defense where you ask the jury to find that a victim's sexual orientation or gender identity slash expression is to blame for a defendant's violent reaction including murder. It is not a freestanding defense to criminal liability but rather a legal tactic used to bolster other defenses. When a perpetrator uses the gay panic defense they are claiming that a victim's sexual orientation or gender identity not only explains but excuses the loss of self-control and the subsequent assault. By fully or partially acquitting the perpetrator of the crimes against the LGBTQ victims this defense implies that LGBTQ lives are worth less than others. So we just have a problem in this country and we're living in this very like homophobic state and in 2007 it was very much at this height because we also have the gay bloggers like Perez Hilton and we have all these gay magazines and so being gay is becoming something that is more mainstream but still not necessarily accepted and then you have Pete Wentz showing up who is very adamantly like I would never fuck a dude. But if they want to kiss me, they can. And if I want to give off gay vibes, I'm going to because I want to stick it to the man. And it's like, dude, people are literally getting murdered for being gay. (laughs) People are getting their murder sentences reduced because they killed a gay person. Because being gay is viewed as a crime in a lot of senses. And you're out here appropriating queer culture. And the queer people are eating it up because for some reason they need that is what I'm getting from these interviewers who are speaking to him.
2: The other side of this is that Pete Wentz was displaying a lot of like gay characteristics and he's saying he's not gay but as we're also saying there's a lot of homophobia going on right now so there is a potential that he was bisexual or more than just straight but was too afraid to be in touch with that side of himself because of all this homophobia and all this fear-mongering that's happening that he's seeing as he's growing up. But this is the thing is like, we can't say for certain either way because he said he's straight, but that doesn't really mean he's straight, but like, it's not our place to say, you're not allowed to do this because he could have been genuinely exploring that side of himself. Yeah. Like, it's just so complicated. It's so messy. So and this is this is basically what we were having in the conversations previous No one owes you their sexuality. But also, I think because straight is the automatic assumption, even growing up, we're just taught, like, you're probably straight. Mm -hmm. You're told you're probably straight. So for him to say he's straight doesn't mean he
1: is straight. But, like, he also can't say that he's not. Well, that's why I was wanting to pull into like the context of the AIDS epidemic, because he grows up with this fear of what being gay means, because 16 year old Pete Wentz, who is in that stage where teenagers experiment, being gay equals dying of AIDS, because that's what the news is telling you. And then on top of this, you have people getting, again, reduced murder sentences for killing gay people. You have gay panic. You have all of these things going on in the world conversation at this point in time in history because being gay is front page news because of the AIDS epidemic that there's so much fear around the questioning nagging that a lot of people have of like oh do I just think the same gender is attractive or like am I attracted to them you know which I feel like if you think that everybody has those feelings it's just because you hang out with a bunch of people who are on the LGBTQ spectrum like if you hang out with people who are very straight they never once have thought oh yeah I'd fuck him if I had the chance about like another dude or like oh yeah if this woman came up to me and wanted to hook up I'd say yes why not really straight people don't think like that and that's why we need to put this into context of the situation not to like put some wind in the sails of these people reading into Pete Wentz lore of the early 2000s but I think that there is something to be said of the fact that he was so stuck on this conversation and like why this conversation Kept happening and why he very aggressively Was like yeah but no homo And I think that it's really interesting because, and this is where this ties into the Harry Styles situation and why I find the two very parallel in a lot of ways in regards to the way that the media has spoken about them is that Pete Wentz was very much a rock star. And it's like how we talked about in our gender expression episode where you had the rock stars like Mick Jagger who were playing with gender norms to say fuck it to the man. And then you have Kurt Cobain who genuinely was questioning his gender identity and was playing with the gender norms to make himself feel more comfortable in his being. And you have Pete Wentz, who is kind of in between the two. And he, in these interviews, talks about both Mick Jagger and he also has mentioned Kurt Cobain in interviews and about their gender expression and their journeys with that and what they have done. And so it's this interesting thing where Pete Wentz is an open book without being an open book because he's saying so much without saying really anything because there is so much of that like what can I say to still be like this pop punk? rock star guy that everybody wants and like, is confused by and is like startled by and kind of scared of but also is like an acceptable role model for teenagers I feel like there are all these things in play and it's partially maybe PR moves but also partially like Pete Wentz wanting to be that ideal because the more you read about Pete Wentz the more you realize that like Pete Wentz wants to set the standard for pop punk he's trying to make pop punk safer like they stop performing at certain venues in Chicago because those venues weren't accepting to gay people and they weren't accepting to basically anybody who wasn't like a straight white man and so you have Pete Wentz who also number one is a mixed race individual like his mother is black and his dad's white and so you have this man who comes from all different walks of life really being the poster child for pop punk and I think that he very much wanted to change things and I think that's why we have personal essays of people saying that they were able to come to terms with their sexuality and be comfortable with who they are because of fallout boy because of their lack of gendered terms in songs and the way that they tried to create a safe space for everyone within a genre that isn't necessarily a safe space for those types of people and so i think that he kind of just like bit off a bit more than he could chew in a point in time in history when it's still scary to be accepting of the fact that sexuality is a spectrum yeah 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 yeah
2: so okay what i'm getting from like what you're saying is like i think throughout music history because we've seen this we did we did an episode on challenging masculinity and gender expression right so there's always whoever the quote-unquote rock star is of the, the time is always looking back at past rock stars and seeing what they did both to express themselves in their fashion statements and their music and as far as sticking it to the man goes and so they're drawing those influences literally through history you can trace the line everyone's drawing influences from someone else and 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 so there's a duality here. It's Pete Wentz wanting to be that icon for the generation, but at the same time, he's said things talking about how he wants to make straight heteronormative
1: people think. I mean Pete said some very off the cuff stuff about what it would mean for him if he was gay and lying about the fact that he wasn't gay specifically in this 2008 Out interview which really just shows you what the type of person Pete Wentz is. So like at this point he's with Ashley Simpson. I think one of their kids is already born and they're at a hotel and they're hanging out at the pool for this interview and Pete is saying to this interviewer I couldn't imagine living a double life for this long so meaning like having to outwardly be in a relationship with a pregnant woman but also be secretly gay and he goes because you would just get caught so bad and he's essentially insinuating that if he got caught pretending to be straight this whole time that he would kill himself because he goes I would be in a car in that swimming pool right now and he's like how do you not just do drugs and live in South America it would make you crazy and he's like and that's if all the is he or isn't he rumors don't drive you nuts first so he's basically saying that if he was in fact living this double life he doesn't understand how you don't go insane how you can't keep it straight between like whether or not you're straight or gay and like who you're straight in front of and who you're gay in front of and how you keep up the charade of being straight to the public but gay in your private life yeah it makes complete sense and so he continues on to say there's a little bit of a gay witch hunt and he points out as I said earlier bloggers like Perez Hilton and he goes I don't know if it's to bust homophobia wide open or to get it more attention. It's like this person's gay, this person's gay, this person's gay. I get it. We're like all gay, kind of. (laughs) There's a bit of it that's probably deserved. He continues on to say that the impact, especially on young fans, is ultimately worth the circular reductive debates. Being ambiguously flamboyant really does help. I've had so many people come up to me and be like, I felt okay to come out of the closet after you said this. And then the interviewer writes, he looks shocked, even overwhelmed, and continues on to say, when someone says that to me, it's not an event I've ever been through, so I don't know what to compare it to. I don't think I can understand how important that is to someone's life. And so I think that this is like the first point in this interview where Pete becomes a real person.
2: So this was going back to my point of half of him doing this because he wants to like stick it to the man or whatever, and the other half doing it because he sees this actually helping people within the community. Yeah, like if he let's okay, let's let's put it in this way. If he can use his straight privilege Mm -hmm. to push the boundaries on gender expression and what is perceived as feminine and what is perceived as masculine, isn't that then helping everyone else in finding their identity and helping things being normalized? All of that.
1: Well, I think that it's the same thing again, why I say that I see that there's parallels between him and Harry Styles is that like Pete Wentz is outwardly saying what people are acting like Harry is saying by dressing the way he dresses or singing the way he sings or what have you you know because Pete Wentz is being both aggressively gay to make people annoyed but also being aggressively gay to make his fans know that like hey if you're actually gay it's cool because look at people being okay with me being gay and I'm faking it like obviously that's not exactly what he's saying but I mean in that regard like you do have a lot of people who have been like because of the way Harry Styles acts I have been able to realize that I am in fact bisexual or i am in fact gay and i find this really intriguing and interesting because you have all these personal essays online about gay people's want for straight people who play gay characters or like fit within their preconceived idea of what gay culture is to like actually be gay and a lot of that ties back in to harry styles and so there have been a lot of personal essays on Sites like BuzzFeed and Bitch Media and Dem and ID and those sorts of sites where people can write op-eds and have their opinion be heard by people that are likely going to agree with them about how Harry exudes this queer energy and how he's been a lot of people's like origin stories of realizing that they are in fact bisexual or that they are in fact gay. Because we have a lot of these scenarios where Harry Styles is like a stereotypical attractive white man you know he is what a lot of people think of when you think of like oh this man's attractive you know and so because of that I think that a lot of people automatically because as Jenna said earlier the default is straight like you're taught from when you're born you're probably straight if you're not we'll deal with that when it comes to it you know and so when the default setting is being a straight person we have this situation where you see Harry Styles you see everybody being like Harry Styles is so hot I wish I could be with Harry Styles and you're like oh that must be how I feel about Harry Styles but then as you're continuing to like digest Harry Styles's existence and realizing that he fits within a lot of these ideas of queerness without being queer because as you know if you like Harry Styles at all he has only ever publicly dated women he's never spoken about his sexuality the closest thing he's ever said about his sexuality was in a 2019 interview with Rolling Stone he said everyone in that room is on the same page and everyone knows what I stand for I'm not saying I understand how it feels I'm just trying to say I see you in regards to like him carrying around a rainbow flag on stage like that's literally the closest thing he's ever outwardly said to him and being like, yeah, I'm just straight. But because of this, like, you have all these people being like, oh, look at how much Harry Styles fits within to my idea of queerness. Maybe that's what I am. And then they go on their journey to discover their queerness. And in 2007, when, like, queerness was way less acceptable to just, like, general public and what have you, you have Pete Wentz going above and beyond being, like, kind of camp- to the point of him being like so outwardly like i'm gonna be as gay as i want to be and i'm trying to piss people off but i'm also trying to make my fans know that it's okay to be whoever they want and so he is what a lot of these people have decided harry styles is without harry styles really choosing to be that yeah
2: yeah. And I think Pete Wentz knew exactly what he was doing when he was doing all of this. Because going back to that advocate interview, he says, we have a song called Gay Isn't a Synonym for the word shitty. And people take it in a weird way. Like, no one could ever be pro-gay rights who isn't gay. Which I'm fine with, because it puts the issue in people's heads and forces them to confront it. Like, can I be into this guy who's on the cover of Tiger Beat and who I think is gay? But I think sexuality is a lot more ambiguous and more of a blurred line than people make it out to be. People are always like, it's black or white. But I don't don't really feel like it is i feel like people come from all parts of the spectrum and then he says i think there are a lot of people who aren't necessarily gay or straight or even bi it's just whatever moment or mood you're in you find different things attractive or cool okay the quote was great until we got <laughs> to the part where he implied that sexuality was whatever mood you're feeling like because this comes back to what i said at the very beginning of sexuality is different than gender is different than gender expression and so gender expression how you choose to dress up how you choose to like wear things that are feminine or wear things that are masculine or wear things that are neither that's like a choice but sexuality not a choice
1: well we do still have the situation of being bisexual was still very much viewed as like a myth Would we still have this problem but i mean Just to pull in more random pop culture stuff because this actually made me think of something when you said that. In 2004, we had Marissa Cooper on the OC coming out as bisexual, which was, like, a huge pop culture moment at this point in time to the point where, like, kids are talking about it in their homes and when I was like... 13, I accidentally made my dad think I was bisexual before I even knew what that was because we were talking about Marissa Cooper in my, in my living room <laughs> and it's like this weird conversation of like oh girls kiss girls because that's what you do it's cute and quirky like bisexuality's fake and so I think that that very much was a thing in like the early 2000s still yeah. and so Pete being like oh it's just like a mood it's something you do because of like how you're feeling or like oh one too many drinks and suddenly you're attracted to people You're not normally attracted to, and it's like, Pete, that's just called being bisexual. (laughs) Okay. Well, before we got to his nonsense words, he
2: did actually say good things, which was talking about basically how you can be an ally without being gay yourself. Yeah. And then he said he's fine with people even thinking that he's gay because it puts the issue in people's heads and forces them to confront it. And so I think that's really important going back to the sphere of pop punk music, emo music, Warped Tour Bubble, as we always like to call it, is that rock music is a very hyper-masculine place. And there have always Mm -hmm. been these characters throughout rock history who have Challenged that And Pete is being one of those people who's challenging it. And so seeing people like him, seeing people like Gerard Way, these characters that are presenting differently, dressing differently, who are maybe kissing men on stage. That is what you're saying about Harry Styles right now is people seeing that and discovering something in themselves. Mm-hmm. And like Pete Wentz walked so harry styles could run (laughs) is what i'm trying to say we had to go through that era of like even though pete has said some ridiculous outrageous stuff that would definitely get him canceled at the time like (laughs) if he said that now he did a lot for the scene and for queer kids and for trans kids and for questioning kids to see that and understand that it's okay to be that way
1: Yeah, and I mean, that's why we have the situation where Harry is doing the fucking bare minimum of anything. Like, he's barely doing a goddamn thing, but people are reading into his persona, they're reading into who he is as a person because of how he dresses, because of lyrics he writes, because of all these things that are very similar to what Pete Wentz was doing. But Pete Wentz was being loud about it because in 2007, you really had to be loud about it. And again, I'm probably giving Harry too much credit because we don't know a fucking thing about the man. But you don't have to... do what Pete Wentz did. You don't have to be like this outlandish, this crazy about it because being gay is no longer as much of something that's looked down upon. Of course it is by a lot of people, but you're so much more likely to have gay characters on TV. It's so much less likely for your dad to be like, why are you talking about a bisexual girl to your friends at the age of 13? You know what I mean? Because it's so much more common to have gay characters on television. It's so much more common to have outwardly gay people as just humans in celebrity dumb you know than it was in 2007 when Pete wentz was being so outlandish with his words was being a bit <laughs> a bit crazy about the way he was like talking about this stuff where it still very much was like yeah I want to make a scene i want people to realize that there's nothing wrong with this but also i don't really want anybody to think that i am yeah. attracted to men and so i think that there's that inner battle there too of yeah. like it's still scary uh, yeah exactly that is totally like his own personal inner battle
2: and that's okay it's okay that he said he was straight publicly because at the end of the day as we said straight is the default and you don't own anyone in your sexuality so with Harry Styles we know that he'll pick up a pride flag and say you guys know where I stand and Taylor has done similar stuff where it's like are they gay are they bisexual but all mm-hmm. we know is that they're an ally and the bare minimum it's okay that they're an ally and it's okay that you can discover your own queerness within them as like a figure Mm -hmm. but i think where we start getting a little tired of harry styles (laughs) at least sarah (laughs) and i is when he celebrated so much to the point that it's erasing other actually queer actually trans actually part of the lgbtq community icons that aren't celebrated in the same way that someone like Harry Styles, who is so ambiguous about this, is celebrated.
1: He's not even, but this is a thing. And this is why I get mad about it. And this is why I'm always like, I need to take Harry Styles with a grain of salt and whatever. And that like the mystification of him keeps getting fucked for me is because he's not ambiguous about it. Like he wrote one fucking song where he talks about maybe kissing a boy and that song isn't even released. Like he just performs it live, but he's only ever dated women publicly. And on top of that, he's only ever dated the same copy paste woman publicly. So Harry Styles very much so is your stereotypical white celebrity man doing the same thing that most white celebrity men do, which is like, it's really comfortable and really nice to be viewed as this icon without doing really any of the work to have to be that kind of icon. Mm -hmm. And that's where I get frustrated because it's like, yeah, Pete Wentz said a bunch of really problematic stuff, but Pete Wentz did a lot of stuff, especially for the time in which he was doing this stuff that he was doing whereas right now we have people who can be openly gay we have people like Lil Nas X like out there just being gay and having no shame about it and trying to make the space safer for people like them and yet Harry Styles is like this bisexual king because he wrote medicine and I'm like what?
2: (laughs) Okay so this is the thing as as we talked about ambiguity is people are saying ambiguity in his gender expression in the way Mm. he dresses and And they're projecting that onto his sexuality.
1: Yeah, which is frustrating. And like, I just don't see how, like, that couldn't even slightly be frustrating for Harry Styles himself. I'm sure it is. And
2: I'm sure that's why he's such a private person and probably will never tell us his actual sexuality.
1: Yeah. Because it's also I guess at this point smarter for him not to outwardly just be like yeah I'm straight what would make you think otherwise because that's just going to demystify him to the point where I think that it would potentially ruin his whole career if Mm. he outwardly was like no I would never touch a man you know like if he made any of the comments that Pete has made like the world would fall apart.
2: Yeah, yeah. If he said, I would make out with a man, but I would not do anything below the belt, (laughs) Harry Styles would be gone in a second.
1: Well, I mean, you have people clinging to him making one quip remark in a 2014 interview of being asked of, like, what they look for in someone they're dating. And he's like, oh, like, being female is not that important. And people have clung on to that. So much. I think also, the thing with fashion, and
2: we're seeing this a lot right now, is that you can be someone who challenges gender presentation with femininity and masculinity, and you can play with that, but that doesn't mean you also support the lgbtq community like we're Mm -hmm. starting to see this division of very straight people very like cishet people like men who are presenting very feminine and vice versa i think it becomes problematic when fans assume that because of that they must be bisexual because of that yeah or pansexual or whatever it is
1: yes i think i think that what we're seeing is is like the forward momentum of society becoming more accepting of something. And when society becomes more accepting of something, that thing moves from a niche concept to something that is digested and used by the general public. So something that was once looked at in a questioning way of like, oh, if a man is wearing XYZ I automatically assume that they're gay but now that this is something that's more acceptable it's moved into like Macy's you don't have to go to Spencer's to buy something that used to be like a fetish item is now something that's like just sold in Bloomingdale's because it's become normalized because we're becoming a more accepting society so we have this weird thing of as things become more accepting things that once were something that if you saw somebody wearing that or doing that oh they're safe space now you no longer have that safety net of assuming that but because this is still so new it's hard to like differentiate what is actually happening because you have that assumption of oh previously if a man was wearing a skirt I knew that I could run up to them and be like hey this creepy guy's following me you're a safe male person but like you give off masculine energy so maybe this guy will fuck off whereas now that man wearing a skirt could be just as much of a predator as that man who's been stalking you for three blocks Yeah, because because men are starting to figure out like oh girls will think that it's a green flag if i'm wearing nail polish but actually i'm just like a fuck boy in disguise yeah. and so you have you have all of this stuff where i think that it's still so new that people are still equating it with like oh they're queer they're part of my community they just like what whatever whatever but unfortunately it is just like that's become mainstream and so now it's no longer a sign of safety it's more so just like a sign of people following the trends
2: yeah it's queer appropriation which like I totally agree it's like this is such like a new conversation and a new revelation that people are finally like fashion and gender lines are starting to get more blurry and that's making it a lot more difficult to discern who's an ally who's part of the LGBTQ community and who's not and I think especially now because as we've talked about in lots of different episodes when we're talking about music perspective fans really want that authenticity and fans crave Mm -hmm. that authenticity and a lot of teenagers are pushing for that type of authenticity and it's not there, right? And so this is why it's alarming to a lot of people to see this happening. And this is why the internet, TikTok in particular, is bringing together groups of people who are very like-minded. So again, Mm -hmm. it's this positive feedback loop. It's this echo chamber of I'm in a safe space with all my queer fans on queer TikTok. And it's not like that in real life. And this is both scary and jarring for those teens. But as we've talked about in this entire episode, it also gives you a very warped perspective on how the world actually works if you're only talking to people within your relative age range within your relative marginalized group and not understanding that someone like pete wentz grew up watching people die of aids on television every night
1: yeah and i feel like that's also why i wanted to contextualize pete wentz with harry styles because i don't want to make it seem like we're beating up pete wentz for the way he acted in 2007 because for what he was doing in 2007 he was very much opening doors and being this like really fucking weird beacon for a lot of people because he was being so loud about his feelings in both the uncouth way of saying like oh nothing below the belt but also in the way of saying like i'm saying this because look at how safe and comfortable my fans feel being at fallout boy shows yeah and so it's like that weird twisted thing of sometimes men just don't know how to human very well. And so they're like I just have to like be precocious and ridiculous and whatever. But also again, it's being very aware of the times of again, gay marriage not being legal in most states. Like if you got married in Massachusetts and you had to move to Rhode Island, your marriage is no longer legal depending on what year it was, you know? And so there's all these like contextualized things and I think that it's really interesting In regards to looking at the way that people respond to Harry Styles being very similar to the way that people have responded to Pete Wentz in 2007 and the way that teens are still responding to 2007 Pete Wentz. Because Pete Wentz isn't talking like this anymore. Like, Pete Wentz has like a new wife, has a couple other kids. He's a grown man. He's definitely like changed the way in which he like talks about stuff because he's been I guess probably more educated but also like there's no reason to have the wow factor anymore like the way you do when you're 28 and the most famous man (laughs) in the world for two years you know and so it's just a really interesting thing to think about in regards to that and it's interesting having this conversation now because when we started this and when we were discussing this episode I was like it's so fucking weird that these teens are so still obsessed with Pete Wentz from this time capsule moment of his career but thinking back on it it kind of makes sense because it was so necessary for him to act that way in a lot of ways. Because if you really think about, like, the pop culture conversation, Pete Wentz definitely did a lot more for a lot of people than I think I ever wanted to admit.
2: Well, you were saying this earlier of it's that cultural nostalgia of, like, when we were teenagers, we were looking back at the 80s and being like, wow, that was so cool. And teenagers yeah. now are looking back at the 2000s and being like, wow, that was so cool. And you have figures like David Bowie, who we all No kids in middle school who were, like, obsessed with David Bowie for, like, no reason, right? (laughs) Just because you could be. Because that person was an icon of that time. And so, like you said, it kind of does make sense that teens are doing this now.
1: Yeah, and I think also, in context, again, to how reading as queer has become mainstream, I think that having somebody to look back on from a period of time when being gay wasn't mainstream who was so much fighting for gay people to like have a seat at the table and like the weird way Pete Wentz was doing it I think it's probably kind of nice in a way because you have this icon really doing something so outside of the box and weird and so specific to the time frame he was doing it that then when you look at the people who most people are obsessed with like Harry Styles or in the case of like Taylor Swift where people are like oh was she dating Carly Closs like was she dating Diana Agron like was she dating these women and it's like but they've never said anything in the way that pete wentz has said things and so it and we're gonna talk about this in an episode that's coming out soon as well of going a bit more into like the fan fiction of it all and like that whole discussion but in regards to that it's kind of nice for there to actually be that possibility that maybe there was something more than just that friendship you know Because I think in regards to Pete and the way he talks about it, it's like, maybe there was something more, but it was 2007 and he was afraid. Well, this is what I was saying, going back to the authenticity factor, is people
2: want an answer. They want to know like are you straight or are you not because i can't believe in you i can't trust you if you are actually straight and you're just presenting this way yeah i think part of the reason why there's this very black and white mentality is because especially in the past few years we've seen the conservative side of the conversation get so intense that the radical side of the conversation also has to get very intense and this is why people get upset about there being blurred lines Is because it's like well if you're not on my side you're on their side but it's like it's deeper than that like not everything is black and white there's nuance to everything and I think it's okay for Taylor Swift and Harry Styles not to explicitly say what their sexuality is and just exist dating whoever they want to date and it's okay for you to read into it what you want to read into it but don't project that onto them in the point where you're forcing them to come out or where you're forcing them to be something that
1: you created in your head or not be publicly seen with their friends a la Louis and Harry who will never ever be seen in public together ever again but that's a whole other thing (laughs) But I mean, we have seen legitimate repercussions in regards to Harry Styles and people putting an idea onto him in that like the One Direction team separated him and Louis. Him and Louis have not been seen together since the end of One Direction. And obviously, I don't 100% know if that's why that happened. But I mean, I'm pretty sure that they were kind of like, it makes me so angry. I get so mad about it. Because I I mean, like, and obviously that's reading into a situation too much. Like, people can stop being friends. When the narrative becomes bigger
2: than the person themselves is when it gets out of line really quickly. Like, when the fandom is believing something that's not true, like, it's okay to have your perception of somebody, but you need to know that that's where it ends. It's That's your perception of
1: them. If Mm -hmm. you find
2: queer joy in that, that's incredible for you. But you need to know that this person has autonomy outside of what they're showing you and not... Push it onto them.
1: Yeah. So it's back to so the countless other conversations we've had about like parasocial relationships and bisexuality in music and in lyrics and like being owed people's sexuality and all those things. And I mean, these are real people and real people's lives. And this can go on to affect them negatively in a lot of ways when we do have this notion of the idea of queerness, the vibe of queerness being in the mainstream and making people into queer icons that maybe didn't necessarily ask for it but are okay with it to some degree and it's I don't know it's just it's just interesting thinking about it in conjunction with Pete Wentz because I think that Pete Wentz and like Gerard Way as well but I mean Gerard Way is not in my wheelhouse Pete Wentz is my wheelhouse but, Like, and so like in that regard there were a few people in the pop punk sphere at that time doing similar things to Pete Wentz possibly more eloquently I would say probably more eloquently <laughs> But in that comparison, and I think that going forward, when you think about these people who we have dubbed queer icons who aren't necessarily really doing anything for the conversation, think about it, contextualize it with Pete Wentz. I feel like that will help in a lot of ways because it's like if they're not doing even close to what Pete Wentz was trying to do, maybe just stand Lil Nas X. But I mean, like, if you really think about it, it's like there are so many people who are part of the LGBTQ community and are openly queer and talking about it and doing things for the queer community that it's like if the straight person isn't being an ally even like slightly to the amount that Pete Wentz was maybe you don't need to like worship them as a queer icon. Also just not even
2: relation to Pete Wentz. It's probably a good idea to have other queer icons in your life who aren't just potentially not queer people. Like (laughs) maybe just try to find some other artists that are actually queer and and out and proud and talking about it to also stan
1: yeah not to police you guys like you love whoever you want to love you know but i don't even know who we're talking to at this point <laughs> if this is yeah. resonating with you you know i mean speaking for myself like as somebody who's very much been like on a journey of figuring out who the fuck i am as a person over the past two years because i've been alone too long by sitting like- on tiktok <laughs> <By> sitting <laughs> never on leaving TikTok. your house but- by never leaving my house <laughs> but just like it's not so much that it's just like admitting stuff that i've known this whole time but like never mm. wanted to admit to because yeah. it's like how queer can you be if you're not outwardly trying to like date people of the same yeah. gender as you and all these things yeah. and so there are like all of those questions and like conversations that i've had with friends for like years about stuff of where do you even fit in but again it's like we grew up with that thing of being bisexuals fake like that's what yeah. we were taught it's like all girls kiss other girls or all girls want to kiss other girls whatever like that's a fuck it's bullshit and so i I think that like if you want to continue to view harry styles as your queer icon do as you please but there are other options <laughs> so i mean i feel like i've unleashed pandora's box by opening this by, open, by opening this discourse but don't worry we're not leaving you hanging because we are somewhat continuing this discourse soon by venturing into the understanding of fan fiction and more specifically slash fan fiction and how that correlates to women and how that also connects to relationships with your favorite artists so lots of fun topics to unpack
2: there and honestly like as we were doing research for this as we were reading i'm just so- so curious what other people's opinions on this are Mm -hmm. so as always if you have thoughts Come hit us up after you listen. Because, like, we're here in attempts to, like, find some reasoning in all this, find some understandings, try to put a feminist scope to it, try to put, like, a critical thinking lens over this. But if you have different viewpoints in us, like, we're not setting the rules here. Like, we're just, like, <laughs> voicing opinions. And we always want to know if people have different opinions because hmm. when people share different opinions, it can change our understanding of things.
1: Yeah, if you have, like, a different understanding of what's going on here... And focusing a lot on the current obsession with 2007 Pete Wentz, but also the current obsession with queerifying people who haven't outwardly said they were queer. And then getting mad at them when they're not queer. (laughs) (laughs) And on top of that, like the notion of in some ways being owed an answer to people's sexuality because they may be like stepped a bit too far into queerness without saying that they are in fact queer we're very intrigued to hear more of this because this is a topic that both Jenna and I are very intrigued in on like what's going on because it's like it is it's super interesting what's going on right now especially because with the context of being gay in history seems somewhat safe at least in America for the first time in a long time depending on like where you are and like who you're surrounding yourself with so I feel like it's a pretty interesting discussion especially right now because of everything that's going on in the world most definitely so if you have thoughts and feelings as per usual you can come hit us up on social media we are at name three songs on all platforms or you can talk to us personally i am at sarah underscore fagan and jenna is at Jenna underscore million so thanks for joining us this week on name three songs until next time never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band and remember you're never too cool to listen to pete Wentz and his band Fall Out boy <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five star review. They
2: really help. If you want to find out more about any of the sources we referenced in this episode, you can visit
1: NameForSongs.com.
0: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Haha,
2: in my dentist's office.